Has your partner ever accused you of pulling away from the relationship, of shutting down or, or just being emotionally unavailable? And maybe you even feel that you are. And then you wonder if this is all your fault for not being engaged with him anymore. This is just another example of a trauma response or if you want to call it that, reactive abuse. This is episode two in our mini-series on trauma responses. You know, reactive abuse or trauma response, and we're kind of talking about both of these at the same time. Reactive abuse is the survival skills that we build in an abusive relationship just to protect ourselves. I just want to review a little bit from the last episode in case you missed it. We want the pain to stop, and we've tried so many other avenues. We're just exhausted. And now we're totally out of options. We At least we feel that way. And so we react and we react. You know, last week I talked about uh, the more physical and emotional outbursts, yelling and screaming and hitting. And, and these are reactions that are often called reactive abuse. But they are just a response to the trauma. They're a response to the abusive environment that we find ourselves in and the lack of ability to stop it. You know, you've reached the end of your rope. You just can't take it anymore and you explode. Well, these reactions, they also can be much more internal. They can be shutting down, keeping your mouth shut, not engaging anymore, unwilling to voice your opinion, building this giant wall around you. Um, it can even be trying to be perfect and overthinking and overanalyzing everything. And, and that shutting down or that distance that, you know, creating that distance between you and this person, you know, it can also be seen as abusive, you know, just that you're ignoring them or giving them the silent treatment. Like they can see this as being abusive, but for you, you are simply responding to the trauma that you are experiencing. These trauma responses are normal responses to an abusive environment. I'm Renee Swanson, creator of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. And, and this is a little mini-series that we're doing. I don't know how many episodes yet that it will have because it's developing as we go. But this is episode number two, which is all about the more internal reactions that we have to the trauma that we are experiencing. Again, these are things like shutting down, building a wall around you, unwilling to engage with that person. Um, you might call it gray rock. You know, it, it's a gray rock, um, but that's more intentional. That's a, a, a more you're aware of it and you're you're you know consciously choosing to gray rock this person while you figure out how to get healthy and figure out how to get out of the relationship. But what I'm talking about here are the responses that we have to trauma where we don't even realize it. You know, we start shutting down and, and we start, you know, we're just unwilling to voice our opinion. And this filters into our other relationships and affects other aspects of our life. And, and all the while, while we're shut down like this, on the inside, we're overthinking and overanalyzing. And on the inside, we're just churning and churning. And if you've not heard my episode called A Grenade Inside a Tank, please go back and listen to that one. You know, the, the tank is that wall that we've built around us, that, that rock solid brick wall. But the grenade on the inside is the explosiveness that we're feeling on the inside. Well, just like the yelling and screaming, these are trauma responses. I want you again to think about uh, someone who has suffered a tragic death in their life. We talked about this in the last episode, that that person can respond with yelling and screaming and throwing things. And, and everybody looks at that and thinks, okay, that is a normal response to the trauma that this person is feeling. 
Well, what about the other side of that? Somebody who has suffered a tragic death in their life, completely shocking, and, and they shut down. Their way of responding is they just shut down. They show no emotion and they're just done. With the close friends and family, they start trying to get them to open up. They know that holding that pain inside is not healthy. And you might even do that if it's your friend and, and you're trying to get them to open up and trying to get them to let some of that out. Well, this is no different. You are experiencing trauma on a daily basis from the one person that's supposed to love you and care for you, the one person who's supposed to be on your side, the one person who's supposed to have your back. And they're treating you with abuse and, and treating you with, with this toxicity and, and making you feel worthless day after day and like you don't matter. And holding that all inside, it's just not healthy. It isn't a normal response. I get it. I completely understand why one does this. You know, I so badly wanted a peaceful environment in my home. I wanted emotional safety. I wanted a place where I could relax where I could let my guard down, where I could just be me and I didn't have to guard my words. And I didn't have to think so hard about what I needed to say or wanted to say. I wanted this. I wanted it for myself and I wanted it for our boys. You know, our kids deserve a peaceful home. Yeah, there's going to be bumps in the road, but that's different. But the only way I could keep things peaceful on a daily basis was to always agree with him to always give in, to always keep my own thoughts to myself. If I voiced a different opinion, things got ugly and tense and it just wasn't worth it. Even voicing my, my own opinion, not knowing if he agreed or not agreed, it wasn't worth the risk because the price was too high. You know, if I voiced my opinion on the times when he did agree, okay, things might be okay, but then the conversation would keep going. And as long as it kept going, things were going to ultimately end up in a tense situation that always happened. And so voicing my opinion was never safe. And when things were ugly, they were really ugly. When things were tense, they were really tense. So the price was too high. The risk was just too great. And I learned to keep my mouth shut. And of course, let me add to this, no matter how hard I tried to maintain that peaceful environment, it just wasn't possible. And if you haven't learned anything about that you know, with a covert narcissist, you cannot maintain a peaceful environment with them, no matter how hard you try. Well, I spent so much energy anticipating the problems before they came and trying to get there first. That's that overanalyzing, overthinking, trying to stay two steps ahead of him so that I could make things turn in a positive direction, in a direction where he would be happy. You know, my household was never about my own happiness and it was never about my boy's happiness. I now realize how big of a mistake that was. I realized that that came at a price. My own boys learned that they're their happiness was not worth the price of upsetting their father. Their own happiness was not of value. And this is a lesson I absolutely wish I could go back and fix for them. You know, the damage was done. We absolutely lost ourselves. We lost that ability to search for our own happiness in life. Now we are getting it back. And I'm going to keep talking about some of that as we go through this series about how you get that back. But at the time we had no opinions about life. We were not willing to speak up. And my boys learned this at a very young age. 
And in fact, me as the parent so desiring peace, I actually wanted them to keep their mouths shut. And now I look back at that and go, no, that's wrong. They should have opinions. They should have thoughts of their own. But our own happiness lost value. And we slowly faded away. Our own identity fades into nothingness and we didn't even realize it. Everything became about my husband, their father. You know, my husband, you know, at the time husband, he's an ex-husband now, but my husband accused me of pulling away from him emotionally. And I wanted to just scream, of course I'm pulling away. What in the world do you expect? Even a child knows to pull away when you've been hurt over and over and over again. You know, I was accused of not being emotionally available to him anymore. Of course I'm not. You know, I, I had peeled my heart open and laid it at his feet repeatedly. I had made myself vulnerable to him over and over. And yet he just stomped all over my heart again and again. Will you want me to continue making myself available for that? You can't be serious. Do you really not understand this? Can you really not see why I pull away? After all the attempts I made at explaining this to him, I could not believe that he could stand there and tell me that I should be more emotionally available to him. You've got to be kidding me. And, and I want to add to this, you know, the response of shutting down. While we shut down and internalize everything, there still lies inside of us an enormous amount of frustration. So yes, I shut down. I did. I'm going to tell you right now, I shut down in that marriage. But inside, I was so frustrated. And this was like an internal fire. That energy of that frustration has to go somewhere. When it all goes internal, it's like a fire that starts eating you up inside. Inflammation builds everywhere. Your joints are at risk. Your organs are at risk. Your immune system is at risk. You are at risk. And while you may not be acting out physically, the yelling, screaming, throwing, hitting that we talked about last episode, your body will still demand a physical response. It will find a way to physically react and you will pay for this with your own health. You know, all emotions are, are a chemical reaction in our body. Those reactions manifest physically. Whether we want them to or not, they do. It's how our system works. This is why you feel nerves in your stomach. You know, when, you're, when your mind gets nervous, you feel it in your stomach. Or when your mind gets stressed, you feel it in your neck. You know, your neck will tense up or your shoulders will tense up. This is why stress causes your digestive system to change or your blood pressure to increase. All of these are physical responses to our internal emotional thoughts or mental or emotional responses and mental thoughts. So please listen to me. If you don't start paying attention to all of this, your own body and your own health will get your attention. I want to talk about a very specific trauma response that I had. One of my main trauma responses was to push things toward peace as hard as I possibly could. I never wanted anyone to be upset ever. And, and I know now that that response came because every time somebody was even just the tiniest bit upset, things got so ugly so fast. And so if I could just keep everybody from never being upset, then we would never have to go through that again. That's kind of where my mind went, my logic went, even though, again, this is not possible. You know, if my boys were upset with each other, you know, their dad would get involved. And if he got involved, it was a disaster. 
and it made things worse. And I would watch the life just disappear out of them. I never, never wanted them to be upset with each other because I knew he would get involved. And even just the thought of this, I can still feel myself react. My stomach tightens, my heart races, my chest hurts. If they remotely started to get upset with each other, I could feel the blood just rush from my face. This was a trauma response. It was my system reacting to the trauma that I had experienced over and over. It is normal for people to get upset with each other. It's normal for siblings to get upset with each other. They're going to fuss with each other. And as a mom, okay, I need to address it sometimes. Sometimes, you know, the little the little squabbles, they can figure out. But in a healthy environment, you can address these little, you know, fusses between siblings without trauma responses. The focus would be on the kids. In a healthy environment, the focus would be on the kids, not on quieting them before the angry dad gets involved. Let me say that again. In a healthy environment, when two siblings are fussing with each other as a mom, you can correct them and keep the focus on the kids. You know, we're calming this down and settling the situation because that's what's right for the children. But in a toxic environment, the goal is to settle them down and quiet them down quick enough so that their dad doesn't get involved. So that this angry, covert, narcissistic father does not get involved. The focus is on the father, even when all that's happening is a little dispute between siblings. I'm going to go on and talk about, you know, I, I said no one could ever get upset. Well, what if I was the one upset? You know, I, I, if I ever showed that I was upset, then he would jump in and try to be my rescuer. And that always ended in disaster. You know, if, if he came in and, and brought in this great idea, you know, and, and if I didn't accept the idea, no matter what it was, if I didn't accept his idea, then he would be mad at me for rejecting his help. And again, now it becomes all about him and nothing about the problem that I'm having. And even if I liked his idea, he would find a way that my acceptance of it, my acceptance of it wasn't good enough. You know, there was a time where I was struggling with, with at work, um, a project I was working on at work. And I was trying to create a title for this project that I was doing. And, and all I was down to is I needed to create a title for it. And I was kind of struggling through it. My mind was very occupied with it. And he had asked me, okay, what are you working on? And so I told him, I thought, you know, okay, I'll, I'll talk this out. So I told him what I was working on. Well, he suggested a title and I, you know, milled it around a little while. And I said, okay, I said, that first part just might work. You might be onto something there, but I'm going to need to change the wording a little bit on that second part. That's not going to work. And I'm going to need to change it, you know? And I thought the conversation was good. We talked through some of this It actually ended up leading me towards the title that I ended up working with. But later that night, he was mad at me. And when I asked him, you know, Hey, what's wrong? He told me that it really hurt his feelings, that I never take his suggestions, and that I think all of his ideas are bad. What? I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you didn't like my title that I suggested today. And I said, that title that you suggested brought me to a working title that ended up being a good thing. It was a process. It was a conversation. Of course, trying to explain anything like that to him, you know, was pointless. This, this was a conversation headed into that pit of despair that everybody that's listening to this podcast understands. 
You guys know what I'm talking about. And, and this circular conversation is just going to go around and around again. And it's all because he tried to help me with suggesting a title to my project. And when I left that conversation, I was grateful to him. Well, now here I am in a pit of despair instead. So I repeatedly learned I could never be upset about anything around him. I could never even be puzzling over something around him. I never wanted him involved. It just wasn't worth all the effort that it took. So no one was ever allowed to be upset. That was my trauma response. That's one of the biggest ones I still face today is it just makes my insides hurt when somebody's upset and I feel all of those reactions coming back. You know, for many, many years, I carried a huge fear of discord and disharmony, you know, and in fact, I'm not entirely past this. The very thought of people being upset, especially people that are close to me, makes my insides hurt. And, and not only just be upset, no one was ever even allowed to disagree or to express differing opinions or, or to be working on something difficult. All of these raised my blood pressure just by the very thought of it. You know, even after the divorce, when my boys had the slightest issue between themselves, it's hard to put into words how that made me feel inside. It was like I was dying inside. My oldest son once told me, Mom, I was never allowed to express any emotions as a kid. I couldn't be angry around you and I couldn't be happy around dad. Because of my own trauma response to their father, I hurt my own kids. I taught them to bottle up their emotions and to hide them inside. As a kid, they learned that emotions were not safe. Thankfully, we have been able to start reversing some of that damage. And that is my goal for you guys that are listening to this today is start finding where those trauma responses are and start turning them around. You know, by the time my kids were into their early teenage years, I realized my error with them. Yes, I still felt that huge response on the inside and my insides would scream when, when there was any dissension in the house. But for them, for them, I held it in and I gave them room for their emotions and their reactions. They needed to be allowed to be angry, upset, depressed, any negative emotions that needed to come out. And at the same time, though, I had to start giving myself permission to express these negative emotions too. I had to find people that I was safe with, and I did. You know, I was blessed to have parents who at this stage in life were willing to give me that freedom. I had friends who were open ears to me. I had people that would let me express those negative emotions, and I had to learn that that was safe. I had to learn to do that. I remember asking each of my teenage boys at different times in their early teen years, do you have a friend or two that you're open and honest with? Someone that you can tell your frustrations to and express how you feel. I said, look, it's okay if it's not me. I understand, you know, I'm mom. I understand if it's not me that you want to tell how you feel. I get that. But you have to tell someone. You have to have someone that is safe in your life. And at this point in their lives, they both said yes to that. This was our turning point. They both had found one or two people in their world that they could open up to. And I was so glad to hear this and so grateful for it. When your response to trauma is to shut down, you build a security wall around yourself. No one gets in and you don't ever get out. This wall shuts you off to the world. 
Yes, you function in the world, but you function behind a brick wall. You need to knock that wall down. You've got to find that one or two friends, you know, that one or two family members, somebody that can help you get out from behind that wall. You know, my son was building that same kind of wall. And, and I tried to talk to him one time. I said, you know, son, I, I, you know, my ex-husband or, you know, at the time, my husband, he had that wall around him because he had built it as a survival skill in his childhood. It was an extremely abusive situation. And now my son was building it too. And I was terrified that he was going to take that into adulthood. And so I was talking to him one day and I, and I said, son, you know, you've, you've, your dad has this wall around him. And I was trying to kind of explain it to him. And he said, mom, I know because I have that wall around me too. And I said, son, I know you do. And you need to tear that wall down. When you live behind that wall, you see everyone as an intruder and you block everyone out and it's a painful way to live. But his words to me are the words I share with you. He said, mom, I'm working on it. I will tear that wall down, but I'm going to put up a flexible one. I will use it around the people that I need it with, but I will put it down when I don't. There is so much truth in these words. Make a flexible wall. Yes, there are times when you need that wall around abusive people, toxic people, people you don't trust, but that wall desperately needs to come down in safe environments. You have to start finding a couple of safe environments. We're going to continue talking about this. And, and as this miniseries develops, one episode uh, is going to be focused specifically on how do we start finding those safe environments? How do we distinguish between the non-safe and the safe environments? So all of that is yet to come. In the meantime, don't judge your trauma responses. Learn them. Learn about them. Identify them. They are completely justified and understandable, but identify them. They are survival skills, but you don't need these survival skills when you're in a safe environment. The key, again, is to be able to find the difference between safe environment and not, and the survival skills being able to turn them off when you're in those safe environments. All right, I'm so excited to continue on this journey with you. I hope that you find all of this helpful to you. I wish everyone here so much peace on your journey of healing. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you.